G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus said some terribly inconvenient things about money. Truly, he did. Things that, for the most part, we'd rather not hear. But as he invariably does, he puts his finger right on the spot, right on the problem that so many have with money. And not just the problem. He has a solution because what he wants is not so much our money, but our hearts. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be back with you again. Today, we're going to take another look at money, or at least our attitudes towards money, from a different perspective. I used to wonder a lot why it is that God, in his book, his story, this thing we call the Bible, I used to wonder, why is it that he talks so much about money? Why does he talk about it so much, so directly, so painfully at times? And to tell you the truth, I used to be very sceptical and wary at that potent mix of religion, not a word I like, but you know what I mean, religion and money. Hang on, hang on, this all smells a bit fishy, I used to think. And so the picture that I had in my head was quite simply this. This thing called the Bible is just a book written by a bunch of self-serving religious people who want to get their hands on my hard-earned cash. That's honestly the way I saw it. I don't have that view anymore, although I do remain sceptical of the odd tele-evangelist who asks me for money to buy a jet or who drive a Rolls-Royce, I have to say. I believe in being a wise steward of the resources in my control, and, and I see a whole bunch of more pressing needs in this world than those ones. But putting that aberration aside, God, it would seem, does talk rather a lot about money, And so what I wanted to do today is to share with you the profound teaching that changed my mind about all these things. The thing that helped me to let go of my tight rein on my purse strings and open my heart and my wallet to the desperate needs of people, physical, emotional and spiritual, across the world. Because no matter where we are on the whole socio-economic scale, there is pretty much always someone worse off than us, someone much more needy than us. In this world. Every now and then, I receive a letter or an email asking the simple question about the organisation that produces these programs, and generally it goes something like this. It says, look, if you guys are supposed to be a faith ministry like you say you are, if you really do believe that your God will provide all your needs, why is it that you just sent me a letter asking me for money? Why don't you just rely on your God? Now, that is not an unreasonable question. In fact, it's quite a good question. And the assumption that seems to underpin it is that having faith in God for his provision and involving his people in supporting his work are somehow mutually exclusive. The assumption is this. If you guys had faith, your God would just provide. So don't send out letters and emails. Now, I want to look at that by taking you, and me for that matter, to the Bible, directly to God's word. It was a time when God had commanded Moses to build the very first tabernacle, the very first temple, if you like, the mobile forerunner of the temple that was ultimately built in Jerusalem many years later by a king called Solomon. 
Exodus chapter 25, this is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, my people, to take up an offering from all those whose hearts prompt them to give. You shall receive an offering from me. This is the offering that you shall receive from them, gold and silver and bronze and blue and purple and crimson yarns and and fine linen, goat's hair, um, tan ram skins, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and gems to be set in the ephod and breastplate and have them make me a sanctuary so that I may dwell among them. Okay, cool. All the things in that list were incredibly valuable things, but but please note this, God's approach. God commanded Moses to go to his people and ask them to give, not to cajole them, not to twist their arms, not to shame them into giving, but to go to all those whose hearts prompted them to give. It was those whose hearts had been moved to give from whom Moses was to receive this precious offering to God. So here in the Bible, God commands the very first fundraiser. God commands Moses to go and ask people for money, effectively. So it seems that faith on the one hand and engaging God's people in giving on the other aren't mutually exclusive in God's eyes. As it turns out, exactly the opposite is true. They're intimately connected. So does God really need my money and your money? Again, not a bad question. If this God is who those Christians say that he is, well... He apparently created the universe. He he owns it all, and everything that's in it was made for his glory and pleasure. So no, my hunch is that this God isn't sweating on my donation or your donation. This God isn't anxious or concerned about how he's going to fund his mighty deeds here on earth, and nor should any ministry or minister in God's service be so concerned. To the contrary, Jesus clearly said that God knows every need that we have, and when we first seek him and his goodness... All that we need will follow along behind that. As I look through my Bible from Moses, whom we just discussed, through to the Apostle Paul, there's a few thousand years between those guys. Paul did a whole bunch of fundraising for for people who were poor and starving in Jerusalem. They were suffering through a famine. What I see is that the way that God usually works, not always, but usually, is that he involves people in supporting his work. Let me say it again. God's normal practice is to involve normal people like you and me in supporting his work. So if he doesn't actually need our money, why why would he do that? The reason is he, he doesn't want so much our money. He wants our hearts to be changed. Remember what he said to Moses? Those whose hearts prompt them to give. And God knows that our hearts are attached to our wallets. I'm sorry to be that direct, but it's true. That's exactly what Jesus said. I don't know what God you happen to serve, if any at all. But I know this. Wealth and money is a tyrant of a God, a brutal God. The God whom I serve has a plan for breaking that tyrannical hold over our lives. And that plan involves giving a good deal of our wealth away. And and as we'll see another day, it's not how much we give that he's so much interested in, but rather what it costs us. Now, I just want to go back briefly to a passage of Scripture that we had a quick look at yesterday on the program to clear something really important up. Jesus said, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Matthew chapter 6. 
You'd think it would be the other way around. Where your heart is, there you'll put your treasure. But that's not what he says. If we hoard all our wealth up for ourselves, then that's where our heart ultimately will be. Our heart follows our treasure. That's why if we hang on to our money, we end up serving the false god of mammon, wealth. And Jesus clearly points out in doing that, we're misplacing our faith. We're putting our faith in something that won't deliver ultimately. More about that another time. So if, on the other hand, we invest in the kingdom of God as he calls us to do, as he moves us in our hearts to do, towards this need or towards that need, then our hearts will rest firmly in God. Our trust will end up in him for all his provision rather than temporal wealth. We can only serve one or the other, God or mammon, God or wealth. We can't serve them both. That's what Jesus said. Either we'll be a slave to the one or to the other. God knows that. And that's why he involves us financially in doing good and supporting his work to give us the opportunity to have our hearts changed. And that's always going to cost us something. I have some really exciting news. This daily program, A Different Perspective, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to discover true security in the right place. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give to Christianity Works today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with the gospel message. It's incredible. That means a gift, say, of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can give securely through ChristianityWorks.com or by calling us on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I've been telling you about, Your Path to Financial Security. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.